Hello, and welcome back to Sunday Sermons, the official podcast of FMBC Houston. I'm Pastor Andrew Johnson, the senior pastor at FMBC Houston. We're so glad that you chose to download and listen to this episode. If you're ever in the Houston area, join us for Sunday service at 11 a.m. at 623 Crest. Good morning. I uh, I think it was like fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, something that I got into my first fight at school. And uh, his name was Garrett Kraft, and all these, you know, we're friends now, so it's all good. But you know, my first fight. And I don't remember what happened or how it happened. My, my sister's in the room, so I'm worse here. Where are you at? You remember Garrett Kraft? Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh, so anyways, we got into a, a little bit of a fight and throwing fisticuffs, you know, like boys will do back in that time. And uh, I think I was doing pretty good, honestly. I think I would, uh, until I found out Garrett had cousins. And uh, then I got to meet Paul and David, and they all jumped in on the fight. And, and you know what? After all, I cannot say that I did very well in that little scuffle. I'm wondering this morning, have you ever been in a fight? Now, don't tell on yourself. Don't incriminate yourself. I'm just wondering to yourself, can you consider, have you ever been in a fight? And, and I want to take the concept beyond just, you know, playground, fist fights. Not encouraging that, maybe I was just confessing that. But beyond that, today's passage, we've been walking through the book of Acts and seeing the power of God, a God who is still alive, a God who still moves. And so far, it just seems like it's just upward and onward. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, the Spirit breaks out, the people got to move, the church is being added to daily, and everything just seems to be going great. And of course, it's right here where we'll find that the, the, the outworking of our faith, the movement of the Spirit of God, life's devotion to God is going to meet opposition. In fact, I'm really concerned uh, about becoming more and more as the body of Christ, weak and anemic and afraid of addressing the fact that living for God, following our faith, being filled with the Spirit, at times is going to put us in a position where we have to fight. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? So I'm not talking about fist fights, but against powers and principalities and rulers, authorities in high places. There is a conflict that you and I have been thrust into because we have been born again by the Spirit of God. We've been filled with the light of the gospel. As soon as we begin to shine brightly, don't be surprised when you meet opposition. We have to be informed, we have to be taught, we have to be trained, and we have to have a perspective that is not only aware, but prepared for the battle that is before us. And so I'm so excited that the book of Acts doesn't, uh, it doesn't sugarcoat it. It doesn't hide the fact that any of us who've been walking with the Lord are going to face opposition. 
Peter and John were just going to church one day. What's the harm in that? And on the way to church, saw this guy that was homeless and, uh, you know, lame in both feet and couldn't give him some money, but decided just in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Healed his entire body. What's wrong with that? And then them, what happened? How'd you do this? And they say, why are you looking at us? It's not by our piety. It's not by our power, but by the name of Jesus Christ, this man has been saved and, and deli- they preach the gospel. What's wrong with that? It's actually your faithfulness to step out and boldly live the life that God has called you to that will sometimes put you right in the crosshairs of the attack of Satan, of darkness, of demonic forces, sometimes just of the tragedy of being, of the reality that we live in a world that is fallen and broken. Opposition is coming. Before we leave this morning, I want you to be ready. Amen? Will you stand with me in honor of reading God's word? Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men, not everybody, just the men, came to about 5,000. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains eternal. You may be seated. I want you to really understand what's happening here. This is not just a simple noise complaint. And I know some of y'all know what a noise complaint is, right? That's when they come to knock on the door and say, hey, can you, the party's too loud. Can you turn it down? This isn't one of those. From our perspective, if you know the rest of the story, and I'm not going to give it away, you might be inclined to say, well, what's the big deal? You know, what's a night in jail? Not that big of a deal. For those of us who've been there, you might be able to say, what's the situation? What's, What's the problem? Well, it's more than just that. The Bible says that the priests and the captain of the temple guard, Sadducees, came upon them. This is the same crowd that took Jesus in the middle of the night, did a little instant justice behind closed doors, and before the day was done that next day, he was hung, nailed to a cross, stripped his skins like ribbons, and he died. That was their leader, and the, man, the, the men who did that to him have just laid their hands on them, threw them in jail. So whether or not this is a night in jail or their last night on earth, they don't know that. It's very likely that one day going to church, healing one man, preaching the gospel, could be the last thing they do. I want to encourage you and remind you and kind of explain something to you. When you make a decision 
to boldly step out in faith, however that might look, opposition is going to appear quickly. Amen? If, you were, if, you, if you've not given your life to Christ, and for some reason today the Spirit would move you to, 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 to be born again, that somehow the Spirit would impress upon your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and, and you want to give your life to Him, what would happen is what happens oftentimes when someone gives their life to the Lord, uh, we, we, we announce it to the church, everybody praises God, amen, hallelujah, but before we leave, I say, will you lift up a hand, raise it towards this new brother or sister, and let's pray for them because they just received a target on their forehead. Satan is real, and he hates everything about our king and the kingdom of God. Amen? We know this. In big ways and small ways, you, uh, you set out to lose a few pounds, day one of the new dedication and somebody decides to bring donuts to work, right? Thanks a lot. If someone brings donuts to church every Sunday. I mean, we're trying to, you know, I can't cast stones here. It could be that. It could be that I've set myself to restore a relationship with a child that's been separated or with a... As soon as I'm really, I'm really going all out, it seems like all I'm meeting is resistance, and frustration. We can spiritualize all of this. Maybe it's not always spiritual. I know it's not always spiritual. Sometimes people just bring donuts to work. Sometimes it takes a while to restore a relationship that you've broken over a long period of time. All that being said, the Bible makes it very clear that when we specifically set ourselves, not to just self-improvement, but to gospel proclamation, you just received all the attention of the enemies of God. Because the gospel of Jesus is the power that leads unto salvation. And I'm not talking about losing a few pounds or, or cussing a little bit less or trying to be a better parent or husband. I'm talking about when you set yourself to say, as for me and my house, we will be gospel witnesses in this world. When you make that decision, Satan just made you a target. And Jesus was nailed to a tree. He was beaten mercilessly. He was stripped naked and murdered in front of his mother. And that same Jesus was the leader of Peter and John. And they know if they did it to him, surely we're not off the hook. Remember the words of Jesus. Is the servant any greater than the master? If they have hated me, surely they will hate you. Friend, I know you got some things you're up against in your life. You've got your own flesh and sinful nature that you're trying to see redeemed by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got the brokenness of the world and, and, and all of the flesh of other people and how they are prone towards sin and selfishness, and that has all types of negative consequences. You've got, you know, gravitational laws like entropy, which means just in general stuff falls apart. That's the way of the world. But, but more than all these general forces, there is a very unique and, and, and real power of darkness that is against you. And when you go to your prayer closet, you start scratching your head about why, what the heck is happening right now in my life? Don't count out the fact 
that for those of us who believe the Bible and are people of faith, it might not just be you against the world or you against yourself or you against other people. There is another party who has set their sights against you. In this world, point one is this, opposition is inevitable. To be clear, not all opposition is evil. There is a stream of faith, a stream of Christian culture that's like everything's the devil. I got a flat tire, the devil did it. You know, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I had an outburst of anger, the devil did that too. And I'm not talking about that. In fact, I think part of that has kind of, some of that overemphasis of darkness and devil and demons, the world has used that in kind of uh, this caricature of people who we're afraid of everything that goes bump in the night and we just say that must be the devil. I'm not talking about that. But we cannot be so foolish as to throw out all of the scriptures and just say, well, you know, the devil and demons, I guess technically that's true, but they're not actively engaged. It's just, it's just the Sadducees and the captain guard and the priests. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in high places. The Bible teaches that though there is a physical, natural world that we're all experiencing and engaging and living in, there is a, a, there's a physical world, there's also a spiritual world beyond, which is overlapping and engaging in this present evil age. And I just want to encourage you, if I could sit down with Andrew, if I could go back in time, like me, and go talk to young Andrew, I thought when I started to preach the gospel and gave my life, like, man, I'm going to live for Jesus, I really thought doors would swing wide open. I thought they'd be praising me and cheering my name in the streets. I thought everything was going to go great because I'm doing the right thing. Well, first of all, I didn't always do the right thing in full uh, disclosure there. But for you, my friend, I just want to tell you, when you're choosing, there is a wide road that most people are on, and that is the path to destruction. There is a narrow way that, lives, that leads to true eternal life, and the Bible says, Jesus, your Lord, says there are very few that find that path. Not everyone's going to celebrate you. Quite the contrary. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus told his disciples, Behold, listen friend, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You must be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. You think Peter and John are thinking about these words? Jesus spoke them to those guys. You'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, and you must bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about what you will speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Listen, friends. Um, Jesus says, look, just so you know, it's going to happen. You are going to meet opposition. 
This is not uh, something outside of the plan. This is part of the plan. And I can't take you out of it. In fact, as a, you're a servant of the master, if this is how they dealt with me, certainly that's how they'll deal with you. But here's my promise. I will be with you. When I'm asking you to stand before men in my name, you don't have to stand in your strength. You'll stand in my strength. If for some reason you should be asked to give an account, it's not your words or wisdom that will be delivered. Holy Spirit. Opposition comes through external conflict. There's going to be, there's going to be people that are intentionally or unintentionally up you, word of the Lord, and specifically proclaiming and living out the gospel in your life. And by the way, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all um, satanic, demonic people. Do you remember Peter told Jesus, hey, Jesus, we can't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you there. Was he trying to be mean? No, he's trying to help his, his buddy out. Jesus, we cannot go there. What you're saying, I, feel, I know you feel like God told you we got to go back to Jerusalem. Peter says, listen to me, Jesus, that's not a good idea. And Jesus doesn't speak to Peter. Jesus speaks to Satan, who's speaking through Peter, and says, Satan, get behind me. So that means that Satan can even use the words of the saints to try to discourage the lives of other saints. Amen? Husbands and wives, we have to confess and repent that at times it wasn't the Spirit speaking through us, but our flesh empowering Satan to speak into our spouses' lives. Not, lives of, not, not, not words of life, but words of doubt or fear. And parents, sit right there, because sometimes we're not giving them the wisdom of God. We're giving them our perspective. The Bible does not say raise up a child in the way that you think they should go. It says raise up the child in the way that they should go. And the way a child should go is not really always going to be the way you think they should go. So we even have to say that when I speak, uh, opposition can come from all different types of places. Are you all with me? The message of the kingdom is countercultural. Christ is calling you to live different, not different in a way that everyone will cheer for, but different in a way that flies in the face of some people's greatest idols. And for you to step out in faith and live that countercultural Christian lifestyle, not everybody's going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. It is by nature a message that is revolutionary that disturbs the status quo, and it disturbs all systems of self-righteous merit. The gospel of Jesus Christ is ultimately going to bring you into conflict. I'm wondering, what do you believe or what lifestyle are you currently right now that brings you into opposition with other people, with the world? See, what I have found that the church thought we could reach the world more if we turned down the dial on all the uh, controversial stuff and reality checks in and says, that's not working. In fact, what we believe is by nature controversial and we don't have to go seek conflict. It will come to us if we just choose to be the light. 
choose to believe, thus saith the Lord and His Word. I want to, I'm not trying to encourage you to get into a schoolyard fight. I'm not trying to do that. I don't think that's right. I think that's sin. Unless in the defense of others, we can get to just war theory some other time. I don't want to get into all that. But what I will say is this. I want you to get your fight back. Because when you step out of the door, if you think the birds will sing, Snow White style, and everyone's going to cheer, I want to remind you that you are facing opposition. And sons and daughters, the church traditionally has known us not just to be saints, but also to be soldiers. Not for culture wars, not for political agendas, but in the spirit, by the word of the God, and by the power of prayer, that when you walk the path of Jesus, you are walking into a battlefield. That is the truth. And the source of great discouragement and great opposition and great battles in your life are not just other people. Not just other ideologies, not just other mindsets or sinful behavior. There is satanic forces. Paul called them death, uh, death, hell, and the power of the grave. There are cosmic forces that are aimed against us. And opposition is inevitable. I think I've beaten that horse dead. We'll move on to the second point. Opposition, friends, is helpful. Stick with me for a minute. At the end of this story, the Bible says they preached, they got snatched up, dragged off to jail, and that day, 5,000 men, not counting women and children, now numbered and made up the number of the church. The Bible says, uh, the Bible says, there's a quote that says it's the blood of martyrs that has been the spread of the gospel. I'm not asking you to shed your blood, but I'm just saying that Jesus asked many of his disciples to do so. Amen? And some of us are not even willing to face confrontation, arguments, rude faces, rejection in social circles much less shed our blood. (laughs) The opposition of truth has never stopped the movement of spirit historically or biblically. Opposition to the spirit has only fueled the movement of the spirit of God. Amen? Right now they're going to church in Jerusalem. Not long into the book of Acts, we find they get kicked out of temples and synagogues and those who follow the way and follow Yeshua of Nazareth are no longer welcome in Jewish church. They get kicked out. But as they're kicked out, they're sent out and spread out across the region and across the known world. Friends, sometimes it's hard for us to understand because of our desires and our agenda, and our will, why is it that God would allow me to face such opposition? Well, if it was all about your desires, and your will, and your agenda, maybe it would be better for you to not face that. Probably not, but maybe it would be better for you to not face opposition. But if it's not about your will, but about his will, God is using all things, and working all things together for your good and for the good of all who are called according to his purpose.
Hmm. There have been many nights where I sat alone on my porch in my rocking chair in the darkness because of interpersonal conflict I was facing, because of old generational curses that I was still struggling with. Sometimes I've woken up in the middle of night because of literal demonic activity. And I'm telling you, the fire of opposition is nothing that any of us would ever want, but God is using it in your life for your good. And when you're standing in the darkness alone as a son or daughter of the living God, you are never alone. Amen? When you feel you have to stand and confront something that is unjust or evil and wrong and you're afraid, know that you don't have to face it alone, but God is with you. And he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment shall be condemned. A thousand may fall at my hand and ten thousand at my, but it will not come nigh my dwelling. You have to stand on the word of the Lord to know that though opposition is painful, sometimes miserable, and not what we want, the opposition that comes at us is actually useful. God is using it. The fire of opposition will refine your motives. It will clarify your message. It will strengthen your faith. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. They arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. You know, I look at the lifestyle that Peter and John were living. They were going to church like every day. They were having a little potluck every afternoon, waking up and praying, singing through the day. It was like church camp for weeks on end. Didn't it look like that? I mean, people are getting saved every day, spirits doing all types of miracles. They're just living it up, man. And then all of a sudden, this opposition comes, and now they're locked up in prison. I wonder, did they still pray while they were there? Did they still feel like singing a song? Did the lifestyle of union have to stop because opposition had shown up? I'm telling you, in your life, in my life, we're going to have to face opposition. And the true sign of maturity is not can you live in union and communal lifestyle and worship and devotional lifestyle with God when everything's going well. The, the, the true test of our union with God is can we stand firm and uniting our heart to his even when we're in prison? Even when we're no longer in a controlled, comfortable environment, but we're walking in hostile territory. Diversity, uh, adversity, sorry, adversity and distraction. Things coming against us. Um, the relationship we have with God is actually strengthened as we walk through opposition. So the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. And all God's people said, amen. 
that sounds great. Per- you want to know what perfect love has used in my life to cast out fear? Conflict. Immense suffering. My, my personal reputation being questioned and attacked. And that was perfect love casting out all fear. The betrayal of friends. My own inadequacies and failures. And that was perfect love casting out all fear. Perfect love comes to cast out all fear, but it's just kind of like chemo or radiation. It's not really a fun thing, but sometimes it's the only thing that will get the cancer out of the body. And so a part of our healing process sometimes is opposition. He uses it for our good. It is painful, it can be dangerous, but without this aggressive treatment, we would never face our fears and expose our wounds in vulnerability to the love of God. Psalm 23, y'all know that one? I love when it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. David knew what it was like to be on the battlefield, and he said, even when my enemies encircle all around me, I can still sit down at the table, break bread, and commune with the living God. I don't know what your excuse is for leaving that place of devotion, because I've been there myself. But the word is reminding me, it's actually the, the, the opposition and adversity that should draw us nearer to the heart of God. So the wolf's growling at the door, and there's attacks on every side, and the Lord God says, pull up a chair, son, let's break bread. I love you more than you could ever imagine, and nothing about what's going on out there can stop what happens right in here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. Opposition is helpful, friend. The last thing I'll say is that opposition is temporary. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. So in Adam all die, also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. Listen to this, verse 24. I told you, opposition is temporary. Here's the promise. At the end, he will deliver the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule, every authority, and every power. Christ will reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death itself. I want you to realize there is fight all around you, but this opposition is temporary. In the end, we win. We win. 
In the end, Christ has conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave. Everything that's wrong with wrong in the flesh, everything that's wrong in the world, everything that's wrong even with all of creation, God will destroy every enemy and make all things new. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, listen to this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I'm glad he forgave me of my sins. I'm glad he taught me how to live. But he also came to destroy the works of the devil. So that's not just hippie Jesus handing out hugs and attaboys. That is the, the Lion of Judah who comes to face the darkness head on. Only that God can break drug addiction. Only that God can chase out uh, demonic forces of your family, of your household. I recently was sitting in a beautiful home with a small group of people, and they had invited a pastor from Uganda to come and share and preach. He said, I'm so worried for the church in America. It was many centuries ago that preachers came from the West and declared the power of a God who could defeat all of our gods. He says, I have come back to remind America of the power of our God. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self, that's our body, is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, say light momentary affliction. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Friends, Christ is eternally king. All opposition I'm facing today is temporary. There was stuff keeping me up late at night last year that I don't even remember the details to today. And the same, that God, the same God that showed me through that stuff will show me through this stuff. Amen? Satan is being defeated, he is defeated, and his few remaining days are numbered. Your flesh and the flesh of those around you is being completely redeemed. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say he sets up camp there. We will not abide in the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through its shadows. Walk through means we come out on the other side. Every shadow that we walk through in the valley of death is teaching us to fear not and to cling closer to our God, the Good Shepherd. No matter where we are, even in the presence of evil enemies, He will spread out a lavish feast. He will pull up a chair and invite us to come and sit down and celebrate even right now. Some of y'all have walked through dark days. Some of you are sitting in dark days right now. 
Maybe there's some opposition. Maybe people are persecuting you because of proclaiming the gospel. Maybe you're just facing the tragedy of life and how this world is hard to get through. Regardless, maybe whatever opposition that you're facing, I want to remind you, you still got some fight left in you. Not your flesh. The battle does not belong to me, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Sons and daughters of the living God. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Our God is the Lion of Judah. Our God is the conquering King. He will deliver His bride from every chain of darkness, and He will set every captive free. You can go straight into the darkness with the light of this truth, and fear not, for God is with you. Father, I pray for sons and daughters under the sound of my voice. I pray you would teach us to understand that opposition is inevitable. And it's a bold thing to say, but I'll even say that opposition is helpful. Ultimately, I thank you, God, that all opposition is temporary. These are light, momentary afflictions that we're facing. Let the church remember the grace and the blessing, even in suffering, even in conflict. Lord, forgive those of us who are not facing conflict because we're not living or believing the controversial gospel of Jesus Christ. If we believe this stuff and walk in this stuff, it's going to cause conflict. But we will stand on the word of the Lord. We will humbly lay down all of our pride, our ego, our flesh, even our own strength it's through the power of prayer that we can overcome it's through fasting it's through worship there's some enemies we're fighting that our fists are not strong enough for we don't do that stuff shouting and fighting it we don't do conflict the way the world does conflict. But let the sons and daughters learn how to pray strategically. Let the sons and daughters learn how to memorize your word and recite it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let sons and daughters have the courage to not just hang out where things are going well, but go straight to the darkest parts of this city and go straight to the darkest parts of this society where people are most broken and most lost and most hopeless. And we carry the light of the gospel that says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Lord, the fight's coming. Remind us that it's not our fight. When we stand up, we stand up in your strength. Like obedient children, we're going to let dad handle this. But we will be brave. We will be brave. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you'd like to be notified for future episodes, 
go ahead, click that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review in your podcast app. Remember, if you're ever in the Houston area, we'd love to have you to come to Sunday service at 11 a.m. at 623 Crest.